welcome to Worship from Schweitzer. I'm Pastor Jason. We're so glad you've joined us in worship today. For some of you, it may be Halloween. For others, you may be remembering and celebrating Reformation Day. Whatever day you're celebrating, we just want to say welcome. And if you're a guest worshiping with us for the first time, we'd love for you to sign up. Let us know that you're here. We've got a Starbucks gift card we'd love to send to you. Today, we enter into the final sermon of the story of the prophet Elijah. We're going to hear a lot of things, but one of the things was that God has a place for all of us in the ministry of His kingdom. There's a place for you, a place for me, a place for everyone. And so that's something that we're going to be enticed into, the story that's going to unfold for us. So we're glad you're here. If you'd like to go deeper with the sermon or explore other ways that you can grow in your faith, we encourage you to go to scmc.co slash next. You'll find a host of opportunities places to grow deeper in your faith. We encourage you to do that. Now, Stephanie's got some other things to share with us about happenings here at Schweitzer. Let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Our campus is buzzing on Wednesday evenings with 7th through 12th graders meeting every week from 6.30 to 8.15 in the Student Center for lessons, fun, and worship. We also have an opportunity for 5th and 6th graders as a part of our Route 56 program with our next session coming up on November 3rd. Learn more about both of these and our next R&R night open to kids of all ages at sumc.co slash kids. The holiday season is approaching and while this can be a really joyful time, it can also be a very challenging time for those working through grief. On Sunday, November the 14th from 2 to 4, we're hosting a seminar called Surviving the Holidays. This will be a time to learn tips for handling the holidays as well as all of the emotions that come with it. It's also a good opportunity to connect with others who can walk with you through this time. Find out more and sign up at sumc.co slash next. If you're new to Schweitzer, or even if you just want to learn more about us, we invite you to attend our next All In Gathering on November 14th, right after the second service. We'll treat you to lunch, take you on a campus tour, answer questions, and have a great time getting to know you better while you get to know us better. Sign up and find out more at sumc.co slash next, or stop by the Connection Center in the lobby. We are so grateful you're here this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. Now, if you're worshiping with us live, we encourage you to check in, chat, say hello to those who are worshiping with you. And if you like prayer, there's somebody here who would be happy to pray with you. Today, as we enter into worship, we're reminded in the words of Martin Luther that we worship a mighty God who is our fortress, who was our help, and our hope and our helper in all things. Let us enter into worship with hope, with joy, and an assurance that He is our mighty fortress. Let's worship together. say thanks for the things you have done for me, things so undeserved, yet you give to prove your love for me. 
from the scriptures, we're going to hear about Elijah and his ministry being shared with Elisha and also with us. One of the prayers of St. Francis asks uh, of the Lord uh, to do a great work in us so that we may be examples of Christ in this world. And so I'm going to share a prayer of St. Francis and I invite you to join with me. And then there'll be a time for us to lift up our praises and prayers to the Lord in silence or verbally, wherever we're at, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. But let's hear this prayer from St. Francis. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Kind Father, as you hear our prayers, as you share your heart with us, 
Teach us to pray now and always in the words Jesus taught his disciples and teaches us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hey friends, um, a part of worship is the act of giving. It is a joy to give. It's a joy to be a part of what God is up to. And so you can go to scmc.co slash give, or you can give on the church app. One of the things that giving does here at Schweitzer is it has created lots of different ministries. And one of those ministries is a kid's ministry. Every week, about 70 kids right now are being connected with the story of God, growing deep in their faith and figuring out, because God is showing them and leading them, how they can be God's instruments in, in the world that they live in. Uh, that, those 70, they gather Sunday morning, and they also do some really awesome stuff on Wednesday nights. Through R&R and Route 56, kids gather, they, they hear stories of God's creation, God's love, and God's care for them, and then they imagine, really imagine, what God is is calling them to do in their own world. So thanks for being a part of extending the ministry of Jesus in this place and through these kids. The Lord bless you. Now, let's continue in worship. This is the story of a man. The story of a man raised up by God in a time of spiritual and moral decline. the story of a man who would bring the nation of Israel back to God. But this is not the story of a warrior, a superhero, or even a king. This is the story of Elijah. Someone just like us. On the day that God planned to take Elijah up into heaven, Elijah and Elisha were leaving Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. God has sent me on an errand to Bethel. Elisha said, Not on your life. I'm not letting you out of my sight. So they went to Bethel together. The prophets at Bethel met Elisha and said, Did you know that God is going to take your master away from you today? Yes. Elisha said, I know it, but I want you to keep quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. God has sent me on an errand to Jericho. Again, Elisha said, Not on your life. I'm not letting you out of my sight. So they went to Jericho together. The prophets at Jericho came to Elisha and said, Did you know that God is going to take your master away from you today? Yes, Elisha said. I know it, but please keep quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. God has sent me on an errand to the Jordan River. Yet again, Elisha said, Not on your life. I'm not letting you out of my sight. And so the two of them went on their way together. While they were standing near the Jordan River, 50 of the prophets in that area stood at a distance on the other side. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and hit the water with it. 
The river parted and the two men walked through on dry land. When they reached the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what it is you would like me to do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, Let me inherit a double proportion of your spirit. I want to be a holy man just like you. That's a hard one, Elijah laughed. But if you're watching when I'm taken from you, you'll get what you've asked for, but only if you're watching. And then it happened. A chariot and horses of fire appeared between them, and Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel! When Elisha could no longer see anything, he grabbed his robe and ripped it to pieces. Then he picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him, returned to the shore of the Jordan, and stood there. He took Elijah's cloak, all that was left of Elijah, and hit the river with it, saying, Now, where is the God of Elijah? Where is he? When he struck the water, the river divided, and Elisha walked through. The prophets saw the whole thing from where they were standing. They said, The spirit of Elijah lives in Elisha. They welcomed and honored him, saying, We're at your service. We have 50 reliable men here. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied. Do not send them. But they pestered him until he caved. So the 50 men went off, searching high and low. Nothing. Finally, they returned to Elisha in Jericho. He told them, didn't I tell you not to go? Elijah is gone from the earth. Welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Uh, we are continuing our series on Elijah today. This is actually the last week. It's part eight of eight as we've been reading through the story of Elijah. We're going to wrap this up today. Now, Elijah, as we read through his story, you can't help but be inspired by him. He is brave and bold. He trusts God. He lives his convictions. There's all kinds of miraculous things that take place through his life. I mean, it's just so inspiring. And sometimes when you read um, these stories about heroes in the Bible, people like Elijah, it's, uh, it's easy to forget that they are Exactly that, that they're, they're people just like us, hence the name of the series. In fact, in the New Testament book of James, chapter 5 or 17, says that point bluntly. It just simply says that Elijah is a person just like us. There's nothing special about him. He doesn't have like special holy DNA to lead this kind of life. He's just a person like us with struggles and doubts, temptations, just like we have. So one of my hopes as we've gone through this series is that we could see that God could move through our life just like anyone else's, even people like Elijah's. Now today, our, our last week of this, part eight of eight, we're in 2 Kings chapter two, incredible chapters. We read about the fiery chariot as, as Elijah's bringing, uh, is being brought up to heaven. And these videos that we've seen to tell the story each week are just incredible. I'm so thankful for them. I don't know if you knew this or not, but all those videos have been produced in-house by our Schweitzer staff. Really, really incredible to see as we've told the story of Elijah through these videos each week. And um, for me, as, as preaching through these, it's been kind of a different kind of experience because if you've been with us, you know that kind of my style of preaching is I want to go through a passage you know, verse by verse, walk through it. And then we have these videos and they're telling the story instead. So my wife on like week one, she told me, Spencer, you, you, you got to stop recapping the story because I was 
being redundant. So she, she gave me this advice. So I've been working on this for like eight weeks now, not to recap the story. So I'm going to try it this week. I'm, I've been working really hard on this. So I'm not going to recap the story. Instead, I just want to offer you two observations um, from the story today from 2 Kings chapter 2 when Elijah's taken up on the fiery chariot. And here's the first observation. Ready? Don't get distracted because if you do, you will miss what's really happening. So don't get distracted in this story because if you do, you will miss what's really happening. In 2 Kings chapter 2, it is easy to get distracted because there is this incredible scene of Elijah going to heaven in a fiery chariot. But don't get distracted by it because that's not really what this chapter is all about. But it's easy to get focused on it because it is amazing that uh, Elijah is going to heaven in this fiery chariot and, and this is what the Lord is doing. It's just mind boggling that, that this is how um, Elijah's time on earth ends. In fact, Elijah is one of two people in the Bible who specifically don't die. The other personal Bible trivia for you is Enoch from uh, Genesis, I think it's chapter five, where the Bible simply says uh, that Enoch walked with God and then was no more. I don't know what that means, but that's what the Bible says, and it's amazing. And so you have here in 2 Kings 2, Elijah going to heaven in this fiery chariot. And again, it's just amazing. And it's easy to get uh, distracted by that and to get focused on that. But when you do, you, you miss kind of this bigger, bigger picture. Uh, several years ago, my family went to the zoo and I think we were at the elephants. I'm not quite sure, but I think we we're at the elephants. And, and we we're at the elephants. Um, we were looking at the, at the animals and, and this other family came up beside us and they had this little boy. And this little boy, I don't know if he'd ever been to the zoo before, but he was just jacked up, just so excited to be at the zoo. And he got up to the, to the elephant display and uh, he started to just scream as loud as he could. I mean, he's just yelling as loud as he could. His parents are stone-faced, so this is mu must happen to him all the time. He's just yelling as loud as he could. But he's not yelling about the elephants. He's yelling because he sees um, up in the tree that there's this cardboard box that had been blown by the wind up into this tree, and it's just blowing his mind. He can't believe that there's a cardboard box in the tree. So he's yelling just over and over and over again, there's a box in the tree, there's a box in the tree, there's a box in the tree. So everyone around us can see that there's this box in the tree. And my wife, Abby, and I, we look at each other like, yeah, there's a box in the tree, but there's an elephant right in front of us. Like sometimes you get distracted by the thing that maybe you didn't expect to see, but here is an elephant right in front of us. And so the same thing with Elijah, like don't get distracted. Yes, there's this amazing thing happening. It's way better than a box in a tree, but don't get distracted and miss what's really taking place here. Because what's really happening in 2 Kings 2 is there is this, uh, this, passing that's taking place where, where you see the, the whole point of this chapter is, is to answer the question of like, what's, what's next? What happens now? I mean, think about this. Elijah has been the moral and spiritual guide for the people of Israel for an entire generation. And now he's gone. So what, what happens? What, what do you do? Think how disorienting that would be if, if Elijah, this, this man that everyone has looked up to, who, who confronted evil and stood up for God's ways and brought the wandering people back to the Lord, what do you do when he departs? Like, how, how does this, what, what, what happens now? And, and so this is really what's happening in, in 2 Kings 2 is you're answering this question of like, what happens now? What, what's next? And so all through this passage, what you really see happening here in this chapter is that Elijah is, is passing this ministry off to Elisha, which I'm glad he does because the names are the same, so it's really easy for the people. So Elijah passing the ministry on to Elisha, which is what we see um, as Elisha is talking to Elijah about this double portion of the spirit that he receives and what that really is about is, is uh, not that he might receive some sort of like supernatural 
imparting of something, but, but really this is the language in the Old Testament of, of inheritance. The oldest son in the Old Testament would receive a double portion of the estate of the father. And, and that wasn't so the older son could have more than everyone else, but it was because the oldest son would then become the new leader of the family. It was about leadership. It was about service to others. So he would receive a double portion in order to take care of everyone else in the family. In the same way, Elisha is asking for this double portion. It's this language of inheritance so that he can take care of the people of Israel. He can take care of God's work and the God's word that he's doing. And so this whole thing revolves around this question of what's, what's next, which, which leads to my second observation of, of 2 Kings chapter 2. Very simply again, um, what we see in 2 Kings chapter 2 is this really important lesson that once you get past this um, this amazing fiery chariot. And once you get kind of moving to this understanding that this is really about what's next, what you really see is this, this underlying message. It's kind of like the thing behind the thing that we sometimes talk about, that this underlying message that's teaching us that God's work is not dependent on any one person. That's really the, the point here of 2 Kings 2, that God's work is not dependent on any one person. Even people like Elijah that had so much happening in his life and so much that he did, God's work is not dependent on Elijah. And this is what we see in the scripture, that never is God's work just about one person. It's, it never happens like that. God's work is not dependent on one person. One of the great examples of this in the Bible is Moses. I mean, think about Moses. He, he passes his leadership on to Joshua. And can you imagine taking over the reins of leadership after Moses? I mean, I could, can't begin to imagine what this would be like. I mean, Moses was the guy who freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt for generations. He, he was the guy who led them through the Red Sea while their enemies drowned in the waters. He was the guy who brought them to Mount Sinai where they received the Ten Commandments and he led them through the wilderness when they ate manna from heaven. I mean, Moses, I can't imagine taking over after Moses, but, but Joshua emerges and, and he's the new guy. And I, I can't imagine how stressful that would have been as he's trying to lead the people after Moses. I mean, how many comparisons do you think he heard to the, you know, to the last guy? But it's a new day. And what we learn through the Moses and Joshua transition is, is the same message, same lesson. That God's work is never dependent on one person. And I know that probably sounds like a, like a pretty simple message. Like it sounds pretty obvious. But honestly, I, I kind of feel like the American church, we need to like hear that again. That God's work is never dependent on one, on one person. Especially in our age of like celebrity pastors who, who um, have these like massive online audiences and, and they gather all of this attention. Like it's a helpful reminder that God's work is never about a one, one person because it's very easy sometimes for churches or ministries to become about just that one leader. For the past several months, I've been listening to this uh, podcast. It's produced by Christianity Today. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Uh, Mars Hill was a famous church in Seattle that went from a handful of people to just tens of thousands of people in a very short amount of time. And um, the pastor there, his name was Mark Driscoll, he fell because of anger and control issues and um, was dismissed from the church. And essentially the church, which had tens of thousands of people, just imploded and basically shut their doors overnight, like they closed the doors. And so this podcast is exploring the dynamics of how does this, this movement becomes so centered around one person that if you remove him, the whole thing crumbles. Like this is a pattern that we see. We need to be reminded of this, that the work of God is never about just one person. Do you know who demonstrated this to me really well? Was my predecessor, Bob Cassidy. 
I, I took over for Bob after him being here for 20 years. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Bob did so well is he never made things about himself. Like he had, he had so much humility to understand that, that he's not the show, that the leadership of the church is not about, is not about him. But sometimes this is what happens in churches. We make it about the one person and we forget this really essential truth that the work of God is never about just one person. And so I think about, um, this, this comparison here between, you see Moses and Elijah doing this, but one of the things we talked about last week, if we take this a step further, is that Elijah and Moses in the Old Testament are um, what we call forerunners of the Messiah, of Jesus. Then we look at their stories in the Old Testament, what they are doing is they are pointing us towards uh, what the Messiah is gonna be like and what he's gonna do and how he's gonna live his life. And so as you think about Moses and Elijah, you think about what they represent, it's the law and the prophets, and they are pointing us, centuries before Jesus is born, they're pointing us towards what is the Messiah gonna be like, what is he gonna do, and there are these forerunners, these figures that we look back to to see um, how it is that they lived and what does this teach us about who the Messiah is gonna be. And as you think about this transition here between Elijah to Elisha, as he, as he goes up into heaven, again, you're, you're struck by this incredible parallel that we see with the life of Jesus. And so each week in the series, really, we've, we've lifted up different parts of the life of Jesus that, that parallel here because we see how Elijah is pointing us towards the Messiah. And, and just like with Moses and just like with Elijah, how we learn that the work of God is never just about them, we also see that with Jesus. It's kind of a staggering thing because if you think about it, if there are people in the Bible that you would think would just be about them, it would be people like Moses and people like Elijah and people like Jesus. But even with them, what we see is this movement that continues past them and, and gets passed on to the next generation because the work of God is never dependent on any one person. So let me show you this incredible parallel that we see between Elijah and Jesus. And let's go to Acts chapter one, because as you think about Elijah's story, Elijah being taken up into heaven and then passing his ministry on to Elisha, incredible parallel here we see with Jesus. So Acts chapter one, we're gonna see this parallel. I'm gonna start in verse one and kind of build into it so we see some context here as we get to this. But, but listen to how Acts chapter one describes uh, what, what Jesus does here. So Acts chapter one, verse one. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, uh, here this reading, Acts chapter one, you can tell it's reading the first person. This is written by Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke. And so um, he wrote the, the story of Luke, which is the story of Jesus, and then Acts, which is the story of the local church. And Luke and Acts are really meant to be read together as, as one piece. And so he's referencing his former book. Now here comes the second book. And now here's what he's gonna say about this. He began to teach about Jesus, all he began to do and teach. And then verse two, until the day he was... Um, taken up to heaven. <laughs> wink, wink, right? Thinking about Elijah here, taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Of course, talking about the resurrection. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, 
but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized with the Holy Spirit is a phrase you read really throughout the Gospels and Acts. And it's a phrase that talks about being filled with the Spirit. It's about being empowered by the Spirit and kind of new life that you get through the gift of the Holy Spirit as we are filled with the Spirit and see His power at work in us. Well, so they hear Jesus talk about this promise. This is after the resurrection. They're, they're not knowing what to expect. Jesus promised about this gift that's coming to them through the Holy Spirit. And so here's how they respond. Verse six. So then they gathered around Jesus and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I love this question. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? It doesn't say who asked this, but I kind of guess it's Peter. Because this is one of those questions that like totally misses the point. I mean, this just totally misses the point. In a, in a first century Jewish kind of mindset, what it is that they're asking here is, Lord, at this time, are you going to lead a military victory over the Romans? Because at this point in history, the, the Israelite people, the, the Hebrew people, Jewish people, they are um, living in Israel. The Roman Empire is occupying Israel. And uh, it has been this way for, for a few generations. And before it was the Romans, it was the Greeks. So think about Alexander the Great. Before it was the Greeks, it was the Persians. And before the Persians, it was the Babylonians. It had been almost 450, over 450 years since the Jewish people had had a a king from the line of David, which was the covenant promise from 2 Samuel uh, 7. Like it's been forever since they've had this. And so, and so they're asking this question, Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? Jesus, are you going to come and, and lead your people? Jesus, are you going to finally kick out the Romans and establish uh, this, this new kingdom? Talk about missing the point. Jesus comes at this, at them with this spiritual, um, point that he's making that you will receive this power, you will receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking about the spiritual reality and they come back at him with a political reality. Jesus, are you going to create Israel to be its own state? Are you, are you going to finally give us freedom? Like talk about missing the point. They have this vision for what God is going to do that's like, it's like this. It's small. And Jesus has this vision, it's like this, it's expansive. But sometimes what we do is we get these really small visions, narrowly focused for what God is gonna do, when in reality, God is doing these other things entirely. Um, one time I, I had this guy in my church that um, I was trying to recruit to be a small group leader. Cause I thought he had like so many gifts. I thought he'd be a great small group leader. And so I, I went and I approached him and, I, and I, I had a conversation with him. I just kind of told him about some of the gifts that I saw in him, that, that he was somebody who connected well with people and could lead and people respected him. And, and um, he just had these gifts to be a small group leader. So I was trying to recruit him to be a small group leader. But you know what? I had this vision that was like really narrowly focused when in reality, God was doing something much bigger. And so as I had this conversation with him about the gifts that I see in him, then um, what, what happens was that conversation, he didn't become a small group leader. He ended up becoming a pastor. And not just becoming a pastor, but he, he started a church. And so this, this vision I had was like, I needed a small group leader for my church because this is the immediate need that I have. It's like a really small vision when God was like, no, 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 we're gonna do something else. We got this, there's like this bigger thing that's happening here. Like sometimes we have these small visions, these narrowly focused visions for what we can understand when in reality, Jesus is like, no, 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 no. There is something so much bigger here. And so they come with this question, totally misses the point. And here's how Jesus comes back at them. Um, the, the next verse, verse seven. So he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the dates 
the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, Jesus is like, that's the wrong question altogether. Let's not talk about that at all. It's not for you to know. You don't need to know. It doesn't help you at all because here's the truth. Uh, we are going to do something that is so much bigger than a political reality. We, we're going to establish a kingdom that is through everybody. And, it, and you're going to go as a witness and you're going to see all of these lives transformed and people transformed and you're going to see communities transformed and families transformed and cities transformed all because of this message that is so much bigger than just a political reality. And so based on that, Jesus then says this, verse eight, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I wanna read that one more time and just kind of break it down as we go through this because this verse is so important. So one more time. Says Jesus says, you will receive power. You'll receive power. The original Greek there for power is related to the word dynamite. So think about this. You will receive this dynamic, life-giving power in your life when, as we read here, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is what the gift of the Holy Spirit is going to do. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to give you this power. And the purpose of this power, this dynamic, life-giving power in your life is not for you. No, 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 no. We keep reading here. It's so that you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. And not just to your friends and not just to the people you're comfortable with. No, 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 no. This is for everybody. Because you're going to be a witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is for everyone. Like, like the disciples had this narrow vision of what Jesus was going to do. But he had this gigantic vision of what the Lord is already up to. Now we keep reading here. Verse 9. After he said this. He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Um, theologically speaking, we call this the ascension. Jesus has ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the throne of God, as we say in the Apostles' Creed. Verse 10, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white, <clears throat> angels, stood before them, beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so the angels show up and they're like, guys, why, why are you looking up there? What, what are you thinking about? He's already told you what to do. What are you supposed to do? You need to go to Jerusalem and wait because there is a gift that is coming to you that is going to transform your life and is going to send you into the world with this dynamic power. So what are you doing here looking up in the sky when Jesus has told you what to do? Now, when you think about this story, this ascension, and you think about 2 Kings chapter 2, the fiery chariot, there are just these incredible parallels. Because in both places, what you see happening are, are Jesus, you see Elijah going up into heaven, going to be with the Father, and in both places, though, it's, that's not really the point of the story. It's not really about that. It's not really about how Elijah goes to heaven or how Jesus goes to heaven. That's not really the point. The, the deeper point in both of them is that the work that was entrusted to them is now given to the next leader. It's been passed on to the next leader. And so this is what we see with Elijah. It's what we see with Jesus as well. The work of Jesus has been given to the, to the church to perform and not just to the 11 disciples who were gathered there that day, but to everyone who follows after them as well. The work of Jesus has been given to us. As you think about the passing that happened with Elijah to Elisha, this is the same thing that's happening here as Jesus is giving his work to his followers 
including us. That he has entrusted to us the work that he was doing on earth. The way that he stood up to evil, the way that he opposed the demonic, the way that he healed the hurting, the way that he fed the hungry, the way that he took care of people and loved people and included people and had compassion on people. This is the same work that he has given us to do. And, and sometimes when it comes to the work that Jesus has given us to do, again, we have these small visions compared to what it is that Jesus wants us to be thinking about. Because sometimes we think about the role that we play in the work that we're doing in the world and and we start to think small about it. When in reality, what the Lord sees is he sees these great things that the church is called to do and to live into and, and including individual people like yourself that we're all called to live into something that's so much greater. Even if we may think that it's small or we may think it's insignificant, what God sees is something that is great because when we use our gifts, when we use our resources, our time, our skills to benefit others, what we are doing is we are doing the ministry of Jesus. You know, but sometimes we might feel like it's small or insignificant, but it's not. I mean, maybe for instance, maybe you volunteer in our church. You, you uh, serve on Sundays in hospitality, maybe you open doors, maybe you serve food, maybe you teach a kid's Sunday school class, help with media, teach a youth group. I don't know what you might do, but maybe let's say you volunteer in the church. Like there are times where, where maybe you feel tempted to think that what you're doing is, is small, but it's not. It's not insignificant, it's not small, it's not, a, it's not a small thing at all because what you're doing is using your gifts to benefit others. This is the work of Jesus. It's not a small thing, it's a big thing. Or I, or I think about this, like there are people in all of our lives who, who you know, we, we need to reach out to, we need to build relationships with, we need to call on, we need to send a card to, we need to check up on and follow up on, and people that, that we need to sh express compassion towards and love towards and take care of, people who are hurting, people who are grieving, people who are sick, all of us have people like that in our life. And I might be tempted to think, you know what, I just made a phone call, I just did a, sent a card, I didn't do, do you know, a, a big grand thing, I didn't like become a pastor or a missionary or something like that, and maybe it's not like a huge thing, but it, but it actually is because every time you use your gifts, your resources, your time, your abilities for the benefit of others. What you are doing is the work of Jesus. This is a, not a small thing. This is a, a giant thing. And, and it might be tempting for us to maybe think in small terms that what we did is just this. But when the Lord looks at it, he says, no, no, no. This is the work of Jesus. It's been given to the church. It's been given to you. It's been given to me. It's been given to all of us because all of us have a role to play. And just as Elijah is passing his ministry on to Elisha. Jesus is passing his ministry on to you. In your life, you have opportunities to do the work that Jesus does in caring for people, in loving people, in forgiving others, in using your gifts, your resources, your abilities, your talents to serve others, to share the good news with others. This is not small or insignificant things. This is what Jesus is passing on to us as he has ascended into heaven and he wants to do through us as his church. It is a big thing. And so today as we wrap up this series, um, be encouraged because just as Elijah passed on his ministry to Elisha, Jesus is passing his ministry on to us, to you, to me, to all of us. And all of us have an opportunity to live in to this grand vision that God has to be his witnesses throughout the world. Be encouraged that Jesus is entrusting to you the work that he is doing in the world. Let's pray. And so Father, today, we hear this promise 
the promise of the Holy Spirit filling our lives, that we might be witnesses of your work, the witnesses of resurrection, the witnesses of new life that comes through Christ, the, the, the witnesses of this new thing that you are doing. And so God, today, would you fill us afresh with your spirit that we might carry on the work of Jesus, that through your power, through the gifts that you've given us, through the resources that you've entrusted to us, through our relationships in our life, Lord, you are calling us to do your work. Would you give us eyes to see opportunities and vision to see bigger than just maybe our narrow focus of how things impact us, to understand and to see and be encouraged that you want to use us to transform the world, that you are using us together individually and that together, Lord, you have entrusted this to us. Lord, we thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit that comes into our life that we might be your witnesses. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray today. Amen. Hey, thanks, friends, for joining us in worship today. And thanks to Stephanie and the worship leaders and to Spencer for that sermon. If you found help, hope, healing within this sermon, we encourage you to take a moment and share this with somebody in your world who needs to know the greatness and glory of God and what God wants to do in their life. We're so glad you've joined us in worship today. We look forward to next week when we're going to worship again and we're going to be celebrating All Saints Sunday. We're going to be entering into a new sermon series on togetherness from the book of Philemon. So join us and God bless you today. Amen. Amen.